I mean, I sit here as a woman who's been in that place saying, I don't know why I didn't go get help. I think that probably thousands of people could listen to this and say the same, even though we know the same. that we're supposed to and that we should. And I'm a nurse or I should have known or whatever. And so I guess really, I just want to acknowledge this is a hard, hard space, even when you do all of it in theory, right before and you prep right and you have all the people and it's still easy to get lost. I know you are doing the best that you can right now. Your relationships matter to you. You are important. And yet over time, we get stuck. We get lost or we stop showing up as our true self. We get hung up on the stories we tell ourselves, the comparisons, or feeling like we are not good enough. I'm Not Your Shrink is a podcast aimed at helping you feel connected to yourself, to others, and to live a life that is in line with what matters most to you. I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair and being a wife and mother to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Let's dive in. Hey, podcast listeners, thank you for clicking play and joining me here for another episode. This episode is going to be such a good one. Make sure you get to the end to hear what my guest has to say. It really resonated with me, and I am certain that it's going to resonate with you as well. And I want to pause just by acknowledging the month that we are in right now, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. That's May of every year, which is about us acknowledging and having conversations around our mental health. And I think it's so important for us to be able to go inwards and to ask ourselves, how are we doing? What's working for us and what's not? And really having that honest conversation with ourselves, but not just with ourselves, also with the people that we love and within our community. And then also recognizing Maternal Mental Health Week, which is May 1st to 7th of this year, which is really about bringing awareness and having dialogue around perinatal mental health difficulties. And so today's guest really taps into a key piece around us making sure we are looking after what's happening inside of us and also being able to create spaces where we can feel like we're going to look after ourselves. Let me tell you a little bit about today's guest. I'm sitting with Lo Mansfield. She is a specialty certified OB nurse who has spent her career in labor and postpartum. She's passionate about families getting unbiased information and then being trusted and cheered for as they make up their own minds about what is best for their family. Lo is the face and the teacher behind the Labor Mama Community Courses and Resources. She's also a mama of three littles, a wife to Calvin, a freelance writer, and a mashed potato lover. Let's go into today's episode. Hi, Lo. Thank you for joining me. Hi, thank you for having me. We were just talking, but it's been a long time coming to get here with you. So I'm glad to I be know. here with you. We were <laughs> just having this conversation of, I think it's been over a year since we first kind of wet our feet in, let's sit together, let's have a conversation. So I'm truly grateful that we get to do that here today. And I'm going to ask you the question I ask everyone at the start, which is tell me three things about you. 
when I listen to you ask other people about this, I'm always like, I want to say stuff that's super random. Like I love mashed potatoes, which is true. One thing that's fun and unrelated to being a nurse at all is that I currently live in the Netherlands. So that's just a fun, exciting adventure for my family. Another thing that will probably come up in this conversation, but this isn't like a fun thing, but it's such an intimate part of who I am. I lost my mom a few months after my first daughter was born. And so I have this like interesting story of just the first pregnancy being really wrapped up in that and like kind of becoming a mom while losing my mom. And I just feel like it's the lens through which I just almost viewed becoming a mom and started doing it. And so that trickles into my conversations and my dialogue and my own teaching and stuff like that. The other thing that I would say is unrelated to work stuff, but fun for my family. I'm one of three girls and we had five granddaughters in a row before I had my son two years ago. So he was a very fun kind of finally we got a boy in this family oh. sort of thing. We had a lot of little women running around for a really long time. That is so sweet. So sweet. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to just jump right into that then and ask you more to share about that experience of losing your mom after giving birth to your first, because I know many people do experience this and it is a difficult experience to go through. Yeah, I I mean, I think what is so interesting about losing or going through a deep grief around the season of pregnancy and childbirth is that the vast majority of people are experiencing the opposite. And that's not to say that like pregnancy and birth and postpartum don't come with all kinds of highs and lows for all of us. But there was definitely this feeling, you know, throughout even the months of her growing and like the exciting parts of being pregnant for the first time and experiencing that where I felt like I couldn't fully share and engage with like the friends. I was pregnant with two of my best friends at the same mm-hmm. time within like weeks of each other. So it was so fun. But then I'm carrying around this, this burden, you know, this this deep pain, because my mom was likely not going to live, you know, much longer, we sucked, you know, quote, unquote, the writing on the wall. And so it was just so hard to kind of find a place to feel this deep grief. At the same time as like, I am overjoyed to have this healthy child and to be growing a child and like preparing for labor and birth. And then, you know, of course, after postpartum is hard, even when there aren't extra things going on. And so again, I just had this, I mean, everyone always says I felt so alone, mm-hmm. but I think I did in postpartum, just as a woman, we feel alone often. And then also I'm like, and uh, my mom is dying and nobody around me is walking through the same thing. And I know that somewhere somebody was and has, and I've met many people who have a similar story now, but at that point I had nobody to go to and say, Hey, I'm a brand new mom. And also my mom's dying. And my husband and I don't know what we're doing because nobody else has lost a parent yet. And so it was like all of these things that we just had no idea what we were doing. And I say we, because, you know, my husband was deeply wrapped up in this. Of course, And it then doesn't just affect you. It affects the whole family mm-hmm. and your identity for yourselves, but also you as a couple and a family. Right. And so I think in all of that, it was just this feeling of there isn't anybody for us to turn to because no one has been through this yet. You know, our friends, the people who are our age, the people who are having children with us, they had, you know, healthy babies and their parents were coming to visit or, you know, whatever the 
normal experiences may be in mm-hmm. air quoting, but they had that going on. And so I personally just felt so, so alone in all of it. And then I think my husband really did too. And then, you know, men typically talk a little less. And so even more so we both were just like a little bit anchorless, I think is a good word for it. That's such a powerful image, anchorless. I think, you know, oftentimes when we go through these big life experiences, these big losses, we don't have a village. And you talk about this in general, in terms of motherhood and postpartum of like, where's the village? Where were the people that I thought I would be surrounded with? Where's the support team that I'm having? And for a lot of people going through grief and loss, maybe they show up later, but maybe they don't. And so it requires us to do a lot of internal work on ourselves. The hard part in all of this, and this is true just for postpartum removing, again, the extra of my story is there's so much work required to do this healthily. And we're also, you know, these brave brand new moms holding babies. Maybe we have a toddler as well. And so I think it's so hard to walk that kind of delicate space of we do have to be willing to do some work to have better experiences. And the flip is we're tired, we're new, we're fresh. You know, we've just been born Mm -hmm. too, if you think about like the birth of a mother each time she has a child. And so it's just, I think it's obviously women feel it everywhere. That's why we talk about it so much now, but it's just so hard to hold both in these seasons where there's so much going on and we're exhausted And also we do know that there are resources and tools and people and things that can help. And it's just kind of figuring out a way to grab onto that stuff. And also just to recognize that sometimes we can't do it quite yet. It's just, it's such a tough space. Support for today's episode comes from Loop Earplugs. For so long after having children, I kept wondering why I was easily overwhelmed and felt like an angry mom. The noise from the kids, the dog barking, and the sounds around me from everyday life. But I now understand that I'm not an angry mom and instead my nervous system gets overwhelmed and overstimulated, which is why I've been turning more and more to my loop earplugs to help me stay more regulated and engaged with the family. I'm using loop engage to help dampen the sound around me. And these loop earplugs allow me to still be with every beat and conversation. I still hear Greg. I can still hear the kids. I love that they are so comfortable and they come with eight silicone ear tips to ensure the right fit for you. The best part for me is that I take them everywhere with me. They are proving the test of time and not to mention they're stylish in my ears. Plus, we love the kids versions, which we've been able to take to the movies for our kids. I'm so excited that Loop Earplugs is offering you, my community, a discount so that you too can tackle that overstimulation while still being engaged with the activities and people you love. Visit loopearplugs.com and use my code loop times Dr. Tracy for 10% off your order. That's L-O-O-P-X-D-R-T-R-A-C-Y for 10% off your order. Support for today's episode comes from Cozy Earth. You know I am all about caring for ourselves, especially in these busy years with our young kids. We are pulled in so many directions, but I think it's so important for us to find ways to nurture ourselves that require no additional time from us. 
I should probably let you in on one of my favorite things to do to look after me, and that is to get a good night's sleep on amazing sheets. I am beyond thrilled to bring you Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding products with an exclusive Mother's Day offer just for my listeners. We've got a code. It's SHRINK, S-H-R-I-N-K, for 35% off at CozyEarth.com. Now, I didn't believe it until I tried them, but I firmly stand by my sleep improving with the temperature regulating technology, which adapts to your body's needs. For the past year, I have not slept on any other brand of sheets. Cozy Earth uses the very best fabrics, materials, and wares, offering superior softness for you to sink into at the end of those long days. I look forward to getting into bed, and we've been loving the sheets for over a year and their sleepwear is so unbelievably soft and it's made with such great quality. But the best part is that if you're worried about commitment, enjoy a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty on all of your purchases. Head over to CozyEarth.com and use promo code SHRINK for an exclusive 35% off and give the luxury she deserves with Cozy Earth. I hear you talking about the both and of being able to hold both experiences, right? With, with this, even the idea of grief, losing your mom, and at the same time, joy, that juxtaposition of those two pieces, a joy of having your baby girl with you. And I, I know oftentimes when I'm sitting with clients, when we talk about the both end space and how oftentimes even our own parents weren't able to do that for us, it's this big aha moment of, oh, you mean I don't have to just be all this or all that, that I can actually hold both pieces and experience both. And that's completely normal. Yeah, that's yeah. completely normal. Yeah. It's been interesting because a lot of women, so this is thinking about my community have, you know, birth trauma or heartache around their birth. That's about their birth experience. And I have this heartache kind of wrapped up around my first story, but a totally separate kind of heartache, but I feel mm -hmm. like I can kind of speak to that space of like this insane gratitude for what you do have or what you are holding and trying to balance it next to this deep grief for what you don't have or what mm -hmm. you didn't get maybe in her story. And then this idea of we do the best we can with the information we have at the time. And so even for myself, oh, I just feel so bad for like the mother that my first two babies got because I was just a mess and it wasn't, you know, even really a mess of my own making. It's just, that's what life handed me while I had my two girls. And I think it's the same for birth. You do the best you can with mm -hmm. what you know at the time. And then we move forward and we have this hindsight and we try to apply it to ourselves. And it can be kind of hard to give ourselves the grace that we deserved a year ago or two years ago or five years ago. And so I do think that that tension and that juxtaposition of standing in both is obviously so challenging and something that a lot of us feel for lots of different reasons. And, you know, maybe even more so, especially in early motherhood, when there's just so many things that we want to go a certain way. And, you know, often they don't, or we got to learn to pivot or, you know, there's so many things in there. Whatever the tide throws us. So. Right. Oh, I love that you're tapping into this because it is something that I'm processing as well with my son turning eight. And I mean, with the birth of myself as a mother, 
eight years old as a mom. And I've often heard this voice inside my head, or even when I'm conversing with Greg of, gosh, I know so much more now today than what I did when, when our guy was two, or even when he was just born. And what I naturally tend to do is to criticize myself and say, I should have done better. Why didn't I? And if I had, and how do I do over, right? But then I come back to this space of deep permission and compassion and no parent blaming and shaming because that mm-hmm. is what we do, right? We show up the best that we can with the resources that we have. That Eckhart Tolle says that in some way, but I know many people say that quote, but it's just, <laughs> it's just so like, it's so powerful to be able to step out of that kind of spiral and say, okay, hang on. The most powerful thing you can do is to center yourself here today and acknowledge maybe what didn't feel so good then, but acknowledging that you get to change and now you can make choices moving forward and to show up differently. So Lo, I connected to that, to you sharing that piece around, you know, your, your two experiencing something so different of you. I'm curious about what led you to create the labor mama space because you are building this community and supporting so many moms, moms to be curious what led you to say, I'm going to create this. Yeah. In the year after my first daughter was born. So I worked in labor and delivery recovery and postpartum. So I worked on a unit where you get to do all of it. And I always like sharing that because if you can deliver on a unit where it's LDRP, I just think it's so special because you stay in the room that your baby's born in. And so sometimes you can get the same nurse for like birth or triage, and then you get her for postpartum for two days. And it can just be this really cool continuity of care. Mm. So that is how I worked at the bedside. And I stepped away in the year after my daughter was born. And when my mom ended up passing away and the labor mama, really, I just miss the work of being a nurse. My husband and I talk about this a lot, but I feel like one of those people who genuinely is like, I know what my passion is. It is obstetrics. It is like maternal fetal wellness. I have no question in my mind. Any dream that I have has something to do with women and their pregnant bodies and their babies. And it's always shaped around that. And so being home with my kids and then, you know, for the first like two years, because I had a second baby about a year after my mom passed that was just survival mode. They were two under two when Mm -hmm. the second was born. And so I didn't handle that season great. But within it, once I came up for air. I'm graciously going to interrupt you because I'm so compelled to say, oh gosh, neither did I. And I don't know if we can handle that season so well in some ways, not projecting my experience onto you, but just to normalize moms that like two under two. Oh, that ripping apart like that. I think that is the experience for me yeah. was this ripping apart of, I have a picture of me crying. We're all crying in the picture. My daughter is crying <laughs> because she was left in her chair. My son is crying because I had just yelled at him because he wouldn't let me wipe his bum. And then the dog like had his head in the toilet, it, like, you know, and we're just all sobbing. And it is this like ripping apart of I'm trying to meet my toddler, my firstborn needs. And then I'm trying to meet this newborn's needs. And then I'm a mess. And I, so I just had to pause there and say, gosh, I just feel that. I deeply feel that. No, I, I appreciate it. And I know <laughs> it is true. I, I, I think there are women who 
you know, certain transitions were harder, you know, the zero to one versus one to two, two to three, right. et cetera. But in general, I don't know that anyone is just like, oh, it was so easy to have two under two. And those first six months were great. I've never really met anyone who feels that way. I'm sure you're out there and it can be, but it was just, yeah, I just felt like I was drowning a lot. And partly for for me personally, too, I'm very type A. It's very hard to be outnumbered. I mean, it's such a giving up of control. Like I can't get you to sleep. You just woke up dinner is not getting ready. Like these were just realities, not because anyone did or didn't do something right. They were just the realities of having two very tiny babies at the same time. And so it echoes the season piece, right? Of if I could go back, I think I would really sit in that a lot more. This is a season. This is going to change. I'd like to say that my son taught me to let go of control and that my daughter taught me my second. She taught me the grace of acceptance, which means like to not have my agenda and to not want things my way, but rather to accept, accept where she is, accept where we are, because it's just a hard season. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. It feels like every child you have, be that one or four or more, teaches you something. Like if you have more, it is so true that there's another lesson (laughs) to be learned each time. (laughs) So sometimes maybe that's why we stop because we don't want to learn any more lessons. (laughs) But I did survive. I did have more after I came up for air and got, you know, through some harder months. I just, I miss my work. I tell my husband, Kelvin, I miss the art of it, the humanity of just being Mm. with people. You know, I miss the actual clinical work. This is me being a nurse, but like watching a baby crown or like holding someone's hand or assisting in a cesarean. Like to me, these are really beautiful, irreplaceable things, but not being able to be at the bedside, I thought maybe I can share my effusive passion online. And so I took it to Instagram and thought maybe people want to hear because it's you can tell right now I could just talk and talk and talk about it because I just love these seasons of life for myself and for everyone. And so I started teaching on Instagram and then realized I could continue to do so and raise my kids. And there's one thing I'm really passionate about. It's that I think that being a nurse and having the education that I had changed my birth stories. I know it did. And I know that everyone else can't be a labor nurse or have the experiences that I have had Mm. or had walking into my birth. But I do think with good education, we can get them pretty darn close and give those women, those families, the opportunity to have birth experiences. I don't want to say like mine, but that empowered and that confident about what's going on and how they're participating in it. And so that's like the goal of the labor mama is to hand off all of my nursing knowledge, my motherhood knowledge. I like to say it's like evidence and empathy put together, give that to others, just like I had the privilege of, because I happened to decide to be a nurse. And Mm -hmm. and then it really was a gift for me when I had my kids. Thinking of your in-hospital births, I know that's something that you talk about and you want others to know that you can have that empowered and desired birth in the hospital. Aside from, maybe I'm trying to ask you to like break open what that is specifically that you did. So I don't want to say aside from your RN experience, I can't take that out, but what was it specifically that helped you get to that? Well, at a very practical level, this sounds silly, but I think it's important. I took a birthing class as well. And I like to share that because at that point I'd seen thousands of births, but I still knew, and my husband wanted to participate and be on board. We were hoping that 
I could do it unmedicated or try. And so I knew, Kelvin, you have to believe in this process. You have to trust this process as well. Like we both have to think this is natural, that this is normal and that what is happening is okay, that we're safe. Mm. And so I felt like birth education was important for me as a woman, like turn off clinical low and just focus on low the mom who also is worried about the baby in her belly. And then Calvin Lowe's husband, who also is worried about the baby in her belly and the woman that he loves. And so I felt like education really like spoke to he and I as just a husband and wife, a man and a woman, a mom and a dad. We left the RN bit at the door and got to learn together. Super valuable for us. Mm -hmm. And so obviously I think education is valuable for everyone else as well, because I do know that our education changed the way I labored, changed the things I felt. And I know it did for Kelvin as well, because we would talk about it after all three of the births and he would remember emotional signposts, or he did things or responded to me in ways where he was truly, oh, she taught us this in class and we would go back. Mm. And so I know that that was super valuable for both of us. And I think it was a big part of me feeling comfortable as a human being and as a woman and as a female body going through birth. Because seeing it a lot doesn't really prepare you to actually experience it in terms of pain or the emotions of it or, you know, the fear. I think there's a level of safety that I felt that can't maybe be fully replicated Mm -hmm. because I was surrounded by women who I worked with every day. Right. Doctors and physicians and midwives who I would let any of them take care of me. And so Mm -hmm. I I don't ever want to negate the kind of privilege of that. There was an inherent trust in your team already because of your experiences. For myself personally, I don't think I questioned their trust going into the hospital or who my care team was depending on the birth. But of course that makes sense for people, right? When you arrive on the ward and it's like, can I trust this person? Mm -hmm. Who is this new face that I've never seen before? Well, and to get nursey about it, we're talking about oxytocin and environmental factors that actually can change the way your labor is moving or change. I don't want to say the speed with which, but how you are doing within your environment is directly impacted by where you are and who's around you. And so Mm. I like to teach people here are all the ways you can control your environment or I'm trying to use the word manipulate, but I don't want to, but there are things you can do to make your environment as oxytocin-y as possible, right? Mm. And so for me personally, I had a little bit of a step up that can't be replicated if you're not a nurse delivering where you're so loved. When I teach about those things or share, you know, I do know that being a nurse changed my stories and a lot of it, I believe I can transfer to others and teach them. And then there are little pieces of, you know, there's a sweet privilege of being a nurse delivering with the people you love. And so overall, I think that education was really helpful for me and Mm. Cal as a family. And then there were, you know, small pieces of being a nurse and just being loved that was really helpful. Support for today's episode comes from ZocDoc. We all know there are things in life we have to compromise on, like the right way to load a dishwasher or whether those socks are going to stay on the floor for a week. Okay, in all seriousness, but when it comes to your mental health, there is no compromise. So we don't need to go back to that one therapist or one physician who didn't align with what we need just because they're available right now. We don't need to compromise on the care we need for our overall wellness. 
Instead, this is where ZocDoc comes in. This is a place where you can find and book hundreds of types of doctors, including therapists, psychologists, and psychiatrists. And you can find someone who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your well-being. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of patient-reviewed in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. You can search by location, availability, and insurance. Go to ZocDoc.com I-N-Y-S and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. If I needed this app, this is one that I would be going to. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash I-N-Y-S and get the care that you need today. You've touched on that experience of fear. And I can remember in my first, not really knowing what that transition period would look like when I was transitioning. And I remember at the time it was my midwife, she said to vocalize out loud. And I said, I'm afraid I can't do this. This is so hard. I'll never get through this. And then preparing for my second, again, I thought, you know, let's do some more education. I met with some doulas. I brought a doula on my team. So it would be there to support both me and Greg. And they had talked about the window where our emotions start to change. You're a better expert at this, the stages of labor mm-hmm. than I am. I love but, that. Stuff. But the transition <laughs> period. And when they had shared that with me, it was this aha moment. It's always this nugget of wisdom that I pass on to friends when they're pregnant of when you start to feel like you can't do it and you're doubting yourself, that is you transitioning to the next stage. And remember that thoughts and feelings are just thoughts and feelings and that you can ride the wave of that, just like you're riding the wave of the contraction and that that's just what your body is supposed to do in this moment. And then approaching my second birth or going through labor rather, um, I just felt so much more empowered to be able to have that birth and to feel supported by my team around me. So I love that you're talking about creating this environment of safety, of understanding the fears that someone can actually experience in this. It's so important. I think it's easy for the healthcare community, maybe not just the healthcare community, but even the collective community. We're doing such a good job at empowering women and saying, look at all this information and look at all that you can know and hashtag like birth without fear mm. and I've used that hashtag so I don't mean <laughs> to like degrade the hashtag but I think we forget there's healthy fears that I believe mm. you can hold and work into your labor to have this expectation like I can be without fear that's how I need to be for some maybe oh that's how natural birth is done because fear will slow me down more so we need to know how will we respond to fear when it starts to sneak up on us mm. as opposed to the expectation of, I can't be scared about any of this because Mm -hmm. I had seen thousands of births and I was still fearful, but I had the ability or the practices in place to affirm myself, to have Kelvin affirm me, Mm -hmm. to start to do some of the things to say, this is normal. You're okay. You are safe. These are simple practices and it's easy to dismiss them, but I think we forget how powerful it is. And so I really feel that our goal should be in birth and in postpartum when things are really getting hard is our goal shouldn't be to like oh i can never be scared or i can never be worried about it going wrong but instead to say when i run into this 
what am I then going to do? You are speaking my language right here, which is the <laughs> well, lean, <probably> yes. <laughs> lean, lean into fear. Gosh, yeah. And I remember one of my biggest ski falls. And I know skiing is not a topic of labor, but skiing was me <laughs> and fear right up there with birth. And I had a really bad fall. I had whiplash afterwards. Took me several weeks to recover from that. And my ski instructor was like, you fell because you were leaning back. And I know you're afraid. And I know the mountain feels, well, the hill, it's not a mountain in Ontario, but the hill (laughs) feels steep, but you're leaning back. So you've got to lean into fear. I'm like, you've just spoken my language. Yes. Like it's not that we want to get rid of these emotions and tell ourselves not to feel these things. And the same with anxiety, anxiety isn't necessarily such a bad thing, right? It's an important message to us. So let's lean into fear rather than saying we should make any of these experiences, feelings, sensations go away. Which brings me to something so beautiful that you say on Instagram, which is pain with purpose. And so I'd love if you could share a little bit about that. Because I, as a psychologist, I just love that expression, pain with purpose. Yeah, that connection between fear and pain is such an obvious one that we need to make. We all get there. So much of if we go to labor specifically, right, is fear of this unknown. And ultimately, I think really fear of of hurting. How will I handle it? Can I handle it? What does it mean if I can't handle it? Who does that say I am if I'm not capable of it? All these expectations that we place on ourselves, perhaps we feel have been placed on us by someone else. And so we are almost tense and nervous about all this pain, these possibilities before we've ever even landed, you know, in the hot seat. And so again, if you think about, oh, Fear is okay if we know how to meet it. I use these phrases a lot in my courses. I talk about, I want you guys to meet something, meet a situation and say, I know who you are. I knew you might show up and I know what to do with you instead of like, who are you? How did you get here? And so Mm. I feel that can be applied to fear and or pain, probably because they're so intimately linked together. But this idea of pain for most of us is going to show up at some point in labor, in a cesarean, in our postpartum recovery. And so just that ability to say, I know who you are. I know what you're doing here. I know what you mean. And I know what to do with you. And so that's, I think, where that idea of purpose comes in is when pain serves a purpose. And so in these situations, it is for us to meet our children in whatever way that's happening. Then I think it's so much easier for us to say, I know what to do with you. You're not foreign. You're not a surprise. And you are supposed to be here because it's actually a good thing, which is so counterintuitive to our normal response to any type of pain, which is you should not be here. How do I get away from you? You know, even like our sympathetic nervous system kicking on and everything going run, run, run. And so I think if we can reorient our views of pain and almost recognize it and have that ability right away to say, that's okay, I knew you would show up and then go ahead and utilize whatever tools that we want to use to kind of move through it or move with it. So think if you get that purpose behind it, it feels less of like a shock or a surprise that you need to to run away from or fight back against. I think that's so lovely in terms of framing an internal experience, a sensation, a feeling, an emotion in terms of meeting it in some way, instead of us trying to keep all of these experiences in a box and hidden. 
particularly around pain, right? Pain is inevitable during labor. I'm thinking a little bit about even our postpartum experiences and this idea of difficult emotions showing up. And of course, recognizing Maternal Mental Health Week, Mental Health Awareness Month, just how important it is for us to vocalize and talk about anxiety and depression that shows up for so many women and mothers, particularly in the postpartum period. It's almost this, how can we meet this experience? And not necessarily that we have to prepare it saying that, yes, this is what our experience will be, but so that it's not, what is this? Oh no, there's something flawed with me and bad. I got to make this go away or ignore it or don't talk to anyone about it. Also a good question. I think we're doing a good job collectively of talking about these things, like what privilege that we have that our mothers did not have to even have the freedom to say, I have anxiety and I see a therapist. I am certain none of my mom or her friends ever said that to each other. Maybe they did, but I don't think so. And so we're already, I think, at a better place of having some of that freedom. Mm -hmm. I think one of the things, and this kind of ties back to the pain and the fear and the expectation is I don't think that we should all expect to have postpartum mental health challenges, but I do think we should be familiar with what they could look like. So again, we go, I know who you are. I think I need help. And this is where I'm going to get it. I feel like the story so often is, is this it? I don't know. Should I ask someone? I'm probably fine. I'll try again Mm -hmm. tomorrow. We kind of get caught in this cycle of, which it makes sense. We're not sure. And so we question ourselves and Mm. we have this self-doubt about what is or isn't going on and what is or isn't normal. And so it can feel pretty burdensome to be, you know, eight months pregnant and Googling postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, symptoms, et cetera. But I think it's valuable so that you recognize this stuff as opposed to not even knowing who they are if they show up. And then My other like favorite thing to do, and this is not something I've done well, but I still teach it and would want to do it. You know, if I had another shot at this is to designate a person in your life who has kind of full freedom to come to you at any time and say, are you okay? I'm not sure you are. I'm recognizing I'm seeing this. What can we do together? And just having a point person be that for you and a spouse, or they have one too, And it can be your spouse or your partner, but I would actually almost choose someone different if you have that person Mm -hmm. and that they say, hey, I see this in your life and I am going to sit here with you and we're going to figure this out because it can be hard to recognize even if we've already prepped ourselves like I just talked about. Really valuable to have somebody else who is truly allowed that freedom and you tell them before and you know that they can kind of walk in and have that conversation with you anytime they want. Yes, absolutely. I love that idea of having some person external to you to be that objective person of questioning. And by having that conversation in advance, you are also acknowledging for yourself so that when someone comes to you, it's not a, what are you saying that I'm not okay? Mm-hmm. And that I'm not a good mom. No, we've had this conversation to start out with, right? Which is that preparation piece. I really like the conversation for partners because we know men are also at risk at developing anxiety or depression after becoming fathers. What does it look like when you're raising the white flag of, I need help? Because sometimes our flags are so small that our partners don't see it. So is it that maybe I've just spent the last 10 minutes telling you how 
I was obsessed about a gift for the baby, da, 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 right? Or maybe mm. it's that you've noticed I haven't showered and it's taking you nudging me how many times to get in the shower or I've stopped maybe calling my mom, right? Like all of these white flags, right? I need help. I need support here. And what we know from the psychotherapy literature is that people wait too long before showing up in my office, before reaching out for help. They will do everything else before then coming here. And I love how you have just said, you know, let's acknowledge the struggle and get help because so many people say this story and how you've looped it. It's like, oh, is it? I don't know. I'll just try again tomorrow. Oh, is it? Until then it's eight months and you've been dealing with these symptoms for eight months. And those symptoms might be crying, easily frustrated, increased anger, the anxious downward spiral, thinking of the worst case scenarios all the time and really looping in that. It is not you as a mother or a parent. It's not your job to assess that and to determine whether it is or not. There are experts, there are professionals who can do that for you. And so you feeling empowered to know you can have this conversation and also too with our healthcare providers, right? And unfortunately I hear this story, which is I went to my primary care provider and they said, it's just a little bit of baby blues. You're fine. Be persistent. Say again, no, this is more. And if they don't take you seriously, find another provider. I know that's hard in Canada to say that because it's hard for us to find physicians, but find someone else to speak to about this because your baby needs you, your partner, your family, everybody needs you to look after you and to be well. It's funny you just said eight months because in full transparency, I was eight months postpartum before I acknowledged that there was something going on with me with my second baby. And it was all the things I just told listener not to do was exactly what I was doing. So I was struggling with postpartum anxiety. And because my mom had died the year prior, I kept dismissing it or of course I'm a a mess or like, of course, this is harder for me. But it was the same sort of thing of kind of self-diagnosing myself or trying to figure it out on my own or this expectation of like, this is normal for me or this, this should be expected instead of having, I mean, what I wish I could go back and do is just go to someone at the first sign of, I don't know if this is okay and let them decide, you know, and maybe I would have run into someone telling me it's normal, or maybe they would have just thrown meds at me and not helped me dig into the grief and everything else going on. But I just put it all off and did nothing and just assumed it was the two under two (laughs) and, um, you know, having lost my mom. And while those were all probably a part of it, Mm -hmm. there was more going on and I needed a medical provider. I needed somebody else to look at me and to Mm -hmm. read my chart, talk to me about it. I mean, I sit here as a woman who's been in that place saying, I don't know why I didn't go get help. I think that probably thousands of people could listen to this and say the same, even though we know that we're supposed to and that we should. And I'm a nurse or I should have known or whatever. And so I guess really, I just want to acknowledge this is a hard, hard space, even when you do all of it in theory, right before and you prep right and you have all the people and it's still easy to get lost. So don't kick yourself for being in that place. Cause I've definitely gone through some of that where I'm just so mad at myself for letting it get to that place. And 
I did the best I could with the information I had at the time. We just try to help others moving forward too. (laughs) Right. Let's also acknowledge this piece because this has been a huge piece of my own journey. And this is something that I talk about in my book coming out, which is that even as a couples therapist, I struggled in my marriage, even Mm -hmm. as a nurse, even as a physician, even as my fellow psychologists that I know, they've struggled with postpartum anxiety, right? There's something so different than knowing and being in an expert, quote unquote, like small e expert role, being in that, that's your, your thing. That's what you do day in and day out. You teach people, you help others. And then the other piece of being human and experiencing Mm -hmm. something and all of the other parts of the humanity of being human, the humanness of this, I'm hoping that this reaches more people. And I know it's starting to with the discourse on social media. I think we do still have a far way to go, Um, but I know more people are being able to say, you know, this is something that we experienced. You're not alone in that experience Mm -hmm. and you can get treatment, you can get help and you don't have to struggle in it on your your own and to not do the whole like maybe maybe not maybe maybe not that we can just trust thinking of someone listening with us today and wondering what you would say to them you know something you wish you had done or that you would recommend or if you put on your rn hat what would you say to others in this maybe postpartum space or even if they're preparing for birth i actually would encourage you to figure out a couple voices in your life that you are willing to have or want to have speak into it. And that's a big, when I say life, but I also mean like into your labor and birth specifically, but you know, those are 24 to 48 hours, your postpartum, some few voices that are the ones that you're going to turn to and that you want to show up for you. And this can be an educator online. This can be a favorite book. You know, this can be a best friend. And then this can be your mom, you know, Mm -hmm. but just this collection of people. And I'm not saying wipe out everybody else entirely, but I think we have too many inputs now and it can be valuable because you can run into this. Oh my gosh, I had no idea. And now I know X, Y, Z. I feel like we're going shallow with too many voices and too many resources instead of going really deep with, you know, kind of a limited number of men or women that we want to be our educator and our person. And so I think you need to do the work right now of kind of deciding how you're going to prioritize whose voice you're going to listen to with the caveat that your voice is the most important one to listen to. And it's funny, I just shared about this today. And one of my first tips was you are the number one voice. You need to learn to trust yourself. You know your child better. You know your body better. There's not a book or a physician or a clinician who knows yourself and your child more intimately than you do. And so the ability to trust your intuitions, I think kind of goes hand in hand with, yes, those voices that you let in, they matter and they're important. And I am grateful for the vast number of resources we have today. But make sure that those voices, you don't elevate them above your own intuitions and your own hopes and desires or purposes. So go deep with a few and don't forget your own voice and who you are inside of all of that. Did I do it? You you did it. (laughs) Did I the season? You you did. Oh my goodness, Lil. I'm blown away. I love that. I think that's going to really resonate for so many people listening, but also just where I come from in terms of really tapping into what we find meaningful, tuning inwards, listening to ourselves and learning to trust ourselves 
And then when we can do that, then we can build those healthy connections with others. Lo, where can people find you? I always love sharing different spaces and making sure that if today resonated with you, please go and check out Lo. Where should they go? I am the labor mama on basically any of the platforms. So it's just at the labor mama. Mama is M-A-M-A. My website's the same, Instagram. I'm the most active on Instagram in terms of TikTok and such. I don't know what people are doing. (laughs) So Instagram and my website. We're both laughing. Great places to connect with me. (laughs) But again, Billy Rama at all the places. (laughs) Thank you, Lo. I'm so grateful that we finally got the chance to sit down together and have this conversation. Absolutely. My privilege. Remember, this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for the care from a licensed mental health care provider. See you next week. What's up, guys? I'm Gabrielle Stone, host of FML Talk. After being love-bombed, married, and cheated on, trust me, I've got some perspective on love, heartbreak, trauma, and healing. FML Talk has become weekly therapy for my listeners, where I give you a safe space to heal with, of course, a few F-bombs thrown in. Fun girl talk episodes, solo episodes that will guide you on your healing journey, and guests with stories that will leave your jaw on the floor. Grab a cocktail and come hang with me every Wednesday on FML Talk.